0: To the RPC Sermons Podcast. You can join us for virtual worship every Sunday at roswellprez.org. Thanks for listening. It is so good to be together and worship this morning. And I want to remind everyone that on August 15th, we're having a really big event here. Uh, It's go time. Everybody come to the church, worship together. And then after church, we will have food trucks and entertainment and a lot of things. that will be a lot of fun for the family. So please mark that on your calendars and come join us on August 15th. Today, we're going to read... Scripture from the book of Esther. And the book of Esther is a 10-chapter continuous story about a heroine, Esther, who saves her people from being killed. But pulling Scripture just from the middle of the story kind of takes it out of context, so I'm going to do a little bit of context before the Scripture this morning. But before that, let's go to God in prayer. Holy and loving God, so many have been courageous in, in their faith before us including Esther, and we pray that we are reminded to be courageous in our faith as well. And now, O God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Most of us are probably at least familiar with the story of Esther. The story is believed to be, by scholars, believed to be written sometime between 400 and 200 BC. And it occurs in the city of Susa, which was in the Persian Empire, which was just north of the Persian Gulf, which is modern day Iran today. In chapter one, we're told that this empire is massive and it has 127 provinces that stretch from India to Ethiopia. And the culture of the Persian Empire at that time was pretty sophisticated. It had a strong legal system. It even had a sort of a postal system there. It had a thriving economy and a whole lot of wealth. So the book of Esther opens with a lavish banquet that's being hosted by King Ahasuerus for his armies and his officials and his military personnel. This is a banquet that lasted 180 days. Yeah, I was waiting for the faces. That's six months of partying, people, (laughs) straight through. So he has a six-month party. And so this King Ahasuerus went by, also by the Greek title, King Xerxes I. And he was renowned for his temper and for his love of beautiful women and for his focus on power and money. And I'm gonna use the title King Xerxes from here on out because it sure is a lot easier to say than King Ahasuerus. After this six-month party, he hosts another banquet for seven days this time. And this is for all the people in the citadel in the Susa, to see his palace and his throne room, every all his finery and gold. In fact, drinks were sold, uh, drunk out of golden goblets and the royal wine was flowing freely at this party. And his queen at the time, Queen Vashti, was off in her chambers having yet another banquet for all the women over there. So, how do I phrase this? So when the king was, let's say, replete with wine, he wanted to show off his most prized possession, Vashti. She was known for her beauty. So he had two attendants go and fetch her and command that she come to his presence. And to that command, she sent the attendants back with this message. Nah, I don't think so. Well, the royal blood pressure shot through the roof and he was, Xerxes was enraged and embarrassed. He could have killed her, but he banished her from his palace. He could have killed her because if you didn't appear before the king when you were summoned, it was cause for execution. But he just issued a decree that she would leave the palace and never be seen again in his sight. So the search was on for a new queen now, and there was a Jew in Susa named Mordecai, and he had raised his cousin Esther, who was an orphan, And then he he decided one day that Esther was beautiful too. So he brought her basically to the queen competition. But he told Esther to never, ever, ever, ever reveal that she's a Jew to anyone. Xerxes was taken with Esther and she became his new queen. And to celebrate this, guess what they did? They held another banquet. Well, Mordecai begins hanging out at the palace gate a lot. My guess is probably to keep an eye on Esther. We don't know why. But while he was at the palace gate, he overheard two guards plotting to kill the king. So he sends a message to Esther and Esther tells the king and those two guards end up going to the gallows. Xerxes then appoints a man named Haman. He's kind of a Prime minister over the empire and Haman had an ego the size of the Persian empire and he insisted that everybody he passed bow down to him and Mordecai would not do that and it infuriated Haman so since Mordecai was Jewish Haman decided to destroy all the Jews in the land and he presented his plot to the king to kill certain people He never says the word Jewish. He says certain people who do not follow the king's laws, they do their own laws, but they don't follow the king's laws. Therefore, they should be executed. So letters, the king okays this, and letters are sent out to all those provinces in the empire. And it names the date that that gives the orders to kill, annihilate, and destroy all the Jews in one day and plunder all all their possessions. So when Mordecai hears about this, he tears his clothes and puts on sackcloth and ashes and goes wailing around the susa, the citadel. And when Esther hears about him wailing out there, she sends someone out to find out why. So he tells the servant what has happened and he gives the servant a copy of the decree from the king. And he implores implores the servant to go to Esther and show her the decree and charge her to go to the king and to make supplication for her people. And it is at this critical point where our scriptures come today. So from Esther 4, 10 to 17 and 5, 1 to 3, hear the word of the Lord. Then Esther spoke to the servant Hatak and gave him a message from Mordecai saying, all the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces know that if any man or woman goes to the king inside the inner court without being called, there is but one law. All alike are to be put to death. Only if the king holds out the golden scepter to someone may that person live. I myself have not been called to come into the king for 30 days. When they told Mordecai what Esther had said, Mordecai told them to reply to Esther, do not think that in the king's palace, you will escape any more than all the other Jews. For if you keep silence at such a time as this, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another quarter, but you and your father's family will perish. Who knows, perhaps you have come to royal dignity for just such a time as this. Then Esther said in reply to Mordecai, go, gather all the Jews to be found in Susa, and hold a fast on my behalf, and neither eat nor drink for three days, night or day. I and my maids will also fast as you do, and after that I will go to the king, though it is against the law, and if I perish, I perish." Mordecai then went away and did everything as Esther had ordered him. And on the third day, Esther put on her royal robes and stood in the inner court of the king's palace opposite the king's hall. The king was sitting on his royal throne inside the palace opposite the entrance to the palace. And as soon as the king saw Queen Esther standing in the court, she won his favor and he held out to her the golden scepter that was in his hand. Then Esther approached and touched the top of the scepter And the king said to her, what is it, Queen Esther? What is your request? It shall be given you even to the half of my kingdom. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So what is a request? Well, she definitely has a request. A request that is going to foil Haman's intentions to kill all the Jews, of which she is one. Over the next few chapters, we see Esther launch her plan to save her people. And this plan includes four banquets, two lavish banquets for the king and for Haman to attend so that Haman continues to feel elevated in status. We also see Haman's anger continue to rise as Mordecai continues to refuse to bow to Haman. And Haman's own family and friends actually recommend that some kind of supersized gallows be built to kill Mordecai, just because Mordecai won't bow to Haman. We see Haman humiliated even further when the king remembers what Mordecai did for him, saving his life. So he has Mordecai dressed in fancy robes and put on a horse to go around the city so people can thank Mordecai. But the horse is led by Haman by the reins. And at Esther's final banquet with the king and Haman, when the king asks Queen Esther once again, what is your petition? Esther speaks and she reveals her request. She pleads to the king to have her life spared in the lives of her people because they have been sold to be destroyed and killed. The king asks, who's done this awful thing? And Esther responds, a foe and an enemy this wicked Haman, and she foils Haman's plan. And the king commands that Haman go to the supersized gallows that was built for Mordecai and be executed there. And Esther petitions the king to have new letters written that revoke Haman's letters. And all the Jews are allowed to gather and assemble and they're also allowed to defend themselves against their enemies. And the Jews did strike down their enemies. So in the final chapters, Mordecai rises quickly in power in the king's court. He became next in rank to King Xerxes. And Mordecai, along with Queen Esther, also decreed that the Jews put aside a time each year to remember the days, and this is from the chapters on which the Jews gained relief from their enemies, and as the month that had been turned for them from sorrow into gladness, and from mourning into a holiday, that they should make them days of feasting and gladness, days for sending gifts of food to one another and presents to the poor. This holiday is known as Purim, and it's celebrated each year, and in 2020, it will be celebrated, celebrated beginning on the evening of March 16th and ending on the evening of March 17th. And Purim is named after the poor, P-U-R, which is a type of lot that was cast, in this case, to determine the days, the day that the Jews would all be killed. And in many places today, the story of Esther continues to be read loudly and dramatically on the joyful day of Purim. In the book of Esther, we see several strong characters and they're strong for various reasons. Some good, not some, not so good. But in Esther, the person, we see someone who's called to serve her people by placing herself in a difficult and a very unpredictable situation to try to save her people. She's an unlikely heroine because one, she's a woman and two, she's Jewish. And we see her in a matter of just a few verses going from more of a subservient role to the role of being a leader for her people and taking charge to the point that even Mordecai obeys what she says. Now, even though God is not mentioned by name in the book of Esther, and that's a Bible tribute question a lot of times, that does not mean that God was not with her as she proceeded with her plan. In fact, in our passage today, Mordecai says this, for if you keep silence at such a time as this, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another quarter. And some scholars believe that phrase from another quarter is a reference to God. But we see that Esther is being called to do something of great importance And calls to action or to change or to a certain purpose come through a variety of ways. And although she was probably nervous and unsure, she acted on the call that came to her. So what can we learn from the story of Esther? I believe we can learn several things. First, that leading for God in service to others may come with questions (laughs) and uncertainties. We know, we know that God is with us always, but being human can often cause us to doubt or be unsure or to question. And it takes courage to step forward in faith, especially when you're unsure of the outcome. And for Esther, she wasn't even sure that she was going to live through the things she was called to do. Many of us have probably heeded some type of call or pull on our lives, and who knows, maybe some may be feeling that type of call or pull now. And one of my favorite things about being a pastor is listening to people's stories of how God has worked and is working in their lives. Being present at the moment when someone decides to act on a call or a pull in their lives is a holy ground moment for me. And I can honestly say, of the times that I have been present when this happened, none of the people saying yes to that call or pull necessarily had a quick and easy path. Because oftentimes, obstacles would appear. Sometimes it would be, they would appear in the form of people who try to make that person doubt that call that they're feeling. But mostly, Obstacles that appeared were obstacles of fear, fear of the unknown, uncertainty, fear of failure, fear of letting God down if the person thought they were gonna fail. You know, the what ifs. The obstacles of how will I or we make it if I leave my steady job to do this thing that I'm feeling like I'm supposed to do? Do I really have to go back to school for this? Who will help me with my kids when I'm in class or when I'm trying to live into this call on my life? What if I fail at this? Will I be a laughingstock? Does God really want me to do this? Or am I just acting irrationally and taking a chance on something that I don't know how it's gonna go? What will I have to sacrifice to make this happen? It takes courage to take that first step, that first decision. And friends, all those questions I just asked were the questions that I asked myself when I felt the call to ministry. And the scripture I kept going back to was Isaiah 41.10, do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be afraid, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, I will help you. I will uphold you with my victorious right hand. Being called to do something for just such a time as this can sometimes elicit those questions and those uneasy feelings, but it's important to remember that God is at work in our lives even when we may not realize it, just as God was most assuredly at work in Esther's life during her heroic task. So the second thing I think we can learn from Esther is that it takes a village to surround us in prayer as we move forward in that call or that pull on our lives, whatever that may be. In our passage today, we see Esther ask people to join her for three days of fasting. Her people, her community, It doesn't specifically mention prayer in the scripture, but prayer and fasting often went went hand in hand. So I feel certain people were praying for her, especially since they knew what was going to happen to them. Have you ever felt called to do something or called to a specific task? Did you pray about it? Did you ask others to pray for you? Or did you keep it? Right here to yourself. One of the things, one of the other things that I love about being a pastor is uh, seeing and hearing about people praying for each other. So consider surrounding yourself with people who will pray for you. And if you don't feel like you have someone to ask to pray for you, please ask one of the pastors to pray for you. And if you are thinking of doing something that will follow a call or pull in your heart, let prayer be at the center of that call or pull. Because there is so much support to be gained when you're part of a family of faith. And let that family surround you. And when you, like Esther, are stepping out in faith to follow something, a collar or a pull on your heart. And finally, I think we can learn from Esther that love is what truly binds us together. Esther's love for her people, that was her driving force. Love, not herself, her love of others, her people including many of the people throughout the empire, that she probably never knew. You know, we too are called to love our neighbors, many of whom we probably don't even know out in this community. We were instructed by Jesus to do just that when he gave us these words. I give you a new commandment, that you love one another just as I have loved you, you also should love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. We are to love others as He loves us. Over the past 16 months or so, I've had the occasion and the honor, honestly, to listen to many people from a variety of places tell me about feeling some type of pull or call on their hearts during this time, usually something like to either start a new project they've always wanted to undertake, or to continue what they're doing, but doing it with more love or intention, or to serve others in a new way. And a few have shared with me um, their desire to renew their commitment to ministries in this church and in this community and frankly in the whole world, throughout the world. So either in this sanctuary today or watching by live stream this morning or watching during the week. There may be someone who may be feeling some type of collar pull on their hearts to maybe do something different in life or maybe to spend time learning a new hobby or skill or maybe to change their priorities in life or any other number of possibilities. Could this be a for such a time as this moment? If you felt that call or pull in your heart to take some type of action in your life, know this, know that God is with you. And if that call or pull has happened before or maybe is yet still to come, God will be with you and has been with you. Your community of faith can be with you as well. It sometimes takes courage to step out in faith. And when you're surrounded by prayer and strengthened by words of scripture and supported by a community of faith and by our love and Jesus Christ that binds us together as the body of Christ, maybe, just maybe, it makes that stepping out in faith or that change a little bit easier because we never know when we may feel that pull or that call on our hearts to serve us to God for just such a time as this. Amen. Friends, let us pray. Holy and loving God, you do call us in such a variety of ways. We pray this day that we remember to surround ourselves in prayer by the body of Christ to support us. Help us to know that we never walk alone, that you are always with us. For we ask all these things in Jesus' holy name. Amen. You've been listening to the RPC Sermons podcast. Please let us know you're here by visiting roswellpress.org and signing our digital friendship register. May the grace and love of God be with you today and throughout the rest of your week. Thanks for listening.